You are now listening to Wave a Sound. Welcome to Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Michael History. In episode 112, Abigail joins the podcast to discuss Love Language, Inc. We get into how the company was founded, what she wishes to achieve, the reception of the convo cards, bringing artists together with an art walk, and more. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen. Sign up for our newsletter for brand updates and join our members-only community on Patreon for access to exclusive programming. For everything else, go to VersusMikeHistory.com. Peace, family. Welcome to another episode of Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Mike History. And today we have Abigail of Love Language in the building. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Pretty well. Can't really complain. That sounds wonderful. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. Um, First and foremost, how about you let everyone know who you are and what you do? So, hey, y'all. My name is Abigail Alibre. I'm the CEO and founder of Love Language Incorporated. So Love Language Incorporated is a business created to push communication amongst our communities in order to create and fix the relationships. So that'll be familiar, platonic, non-platonic, um, just giving different workshops and different products to help others communicate and bridge a gap. And um, what are some of the products that you've created so far? Um, So, so far, um, we started with our social and emotional workbook, which is called the Acknowledgement. And then we also have our combos of cards. So currently we have combos of the sexes, couples and singles, which are dating cards, combos of the family, which are cards that are here to help to bridge the gap in communication between the older generation and the newer generation. And then we have combos of the gals, which are just our girl group cards for now. We are working on combos of the bros, um, but they are coming. Amazing, amazing. So um, first and foremost, I wanna ask you something that I ask everyone who comes on the show, which is what are you listening to? Like what's in your rotation currently? Music wise? Yes. Oh, this is funny. <laughs> so, um, we can say let's let's see let me not lie here um foggy raw i don't know if you heard of foggy raw i have uh, heard of foggy raw yeah he's in the rotation um j cole and black is always in the rotation so pretty little fears is a good one for me um alex john so he's actually a christian rapper um he's pretty big right now temps and let me not lie Looks like Party Next Door is in here, too. <laughs> Word. That's what's up. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I want you to, like, take it back to the beginning, um, basically to your background um, and how Love Language got founded and, like, the whole story behind, um, you know, the moments realizing that you had something that you could incorporate to uh, create a larger impact with. Um, okay, so take it back. So <laughs> Love Language was created um, in the middle of the pandemic. So we'll say that pandemic started February. Love Language was started in maybe June and wasn't created into an LLC till about November. 
Um, it wasn't created to be a business. So I worked, I used to work maybe like 13 hour days out of school. And during the pandemic, I felt like everybody had that break that they needed to just reflect. Um, it gave me a lot of chance to unpack. So I started journaling a lot. And I'm one of those people who journals and colors and draws and just reads and reflects. And I created something of like a journal book. And my best friend was like, you should turn this into a book. And I'm like, mm-mm. Because <laughs> it's just like, that's real personal. Um, and he was like, I really feel like this could help. Um, at the time, I used to my, write my own poetry, own work of, of words that just would correlate to something I can go back and refer to, just like talking to myself. And I realized that a lot of the reason why I wasn't able to do that before the pandemic is because I never took the time to learn how to communicate with myself. Um, once I was able to communicate with myself, I realized that it helped to break down a lot of the things that I was dealing with that was holding me back. And I put all the work into like one book and I'm like, mm, let's see if this will work. I'm sorry, there might be a little background noise. Um, oh, go ahead. And then I created my first event was a silent listening party for the book. And that's because I was a punk. I didn't want to hear people. I didn't want to hear one, my voice out loud reading this stuff that was personal and two I it was easy for me to like duck away if people were like listening to basically my reflections in like their headphones and I realized a lot of people like connected to it um I put the book in for submission and I didn't get it the first time which was a little devastating but I'm like you know what it's cool like it's all right we're gonna figure it out and when you say you put it in you did you didn't get it what do you mean so I put it in for publishing. Okay. Um, and I didn't get it at first. And honestly, it was funny because I didn't find out I didn't get it until last year. It was like a full circle moment. But I was like, it takes a minute to hear back from publishing agencies. Um, so I'm like, okay, in the meantime, I'm starting this business. And somebody was like, okay, what what is the goal of your business? And I realized that love is something that really doesn't run out of demand. Like our kids are going to want love. Our kids' kids are going to want love. And that's how I started off thinking about it. Like, okay, how do I connect this with that? And I realized that a lot of people don't know how to one, receive love and two, explain love um, because they don't really know what it means for them to be loved. I feel like people in general, um, I used to say minorities, but I feel like this is people as a whole. We lose a lot of what it takes for us to be loved when we're younger. I feel like our world moves kind of fast. Um, I used to focus on the minorities just because of the studies I used to do and just seeing like broken homes and how a lot of people usually, um, they give up on what it takes for them to be loved because they realize that the people around them who are supposed to be loving them, either one don't have the time or two don't know how to comprehend it. And they're dealing with how they were taught. So we kind of give up on, okay, well, they can't do it. So we'll use what they give in order to feel it. Um, and I realized once you learn how to communicate with yourself about, okay, this is at that age, that I figured that out. This is how I was actually initially meant to be loved. Um, you're able to communicate that with people. And that was something that I found really um, interesting. So I said, okay, well, what's something else we could use? Like if we're not using the workbook. Um, so I created the conversation cards, which are the dating cards that you guys saw at the pop-up shop. Mm-hmm. And the first generation of the cards, they worked. Um, <laughs> I did a study of different questions people asked on dates. Um, me just being very observant and people always coming to me about how dates were, what questions they wanted to ask. 
I feel like people are kind of a little hesitant to ask certain questions on dates. And I wanted to be kind of that barrier of you not asking the question, but you're asking the question. So it kind of took the, the anxiety out of it. Um, and it helped. I feel like a lot of people were coming up to me like, okay, well, this question should be added. I use this and this worked. And it just got, I was like, okay, well, just getting the feedback. We came with the second generation. So the ones that you saw were kind of like generation two. Um, and I liked it because it helped for people to not take what they were being given, but to ask the questions that they needed to be asked to be given what they needed in order to come to a second step in a relationship with people. Um, which I really enjoyed and I admired just seeing. Um, our first event was called Battle of the Sexes, which was different. Um, I had the guys in one room and girls in a different room. And I gave them topics about like different relationship, controversial questions, um, dating controversial questions. And it was funny because a lot of girls think that guys don't think about this stuff. But the guys spend an hour coming up with like their evidence, their arguments, um, their stances. Girls were done in like 20, 30 minutes and the junior most was just waiting. Mm -hmm. So when I had the two sexes come to the table to like discuss, it was a very fulfilling moment because I feel like Pete, the guys got to hear out the girls and their perspectives and the girls got to hear out the guys and their perspectives. And that's one event that kind of pushed me a lot because I'm like, okay, I got to keep going. So I created the couple's cards um, after that. It wasn't until last year. So last August, um, I was going to quit my business. It's, it wasn't even just like I was tired of it and more was like, okay, is this what I'm meant to be doing type of thing? Because you see a lot of love. You see a lot of love games, um, just being realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was something that I was meant to be doing. So, um, it was funny. I went to a camp with my church, maybe like last August and I was like, okay, at the end of this week, like, if you're not like, if you God, you're not telling me that this is what I meant to be doing, then like, that's it. Like I'm leaving it alone. Like I could go figure something else out. I'm pretty smart. And it was funny because the next day they had a whole conversation about love languages and I was like, oh, you think you're funny? <laughs> so it was like a look, break. Look at God, literally. Literally. And my face was like, my pastor was looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Because it was a guest speaker. Like the person didn't even know me. Um, and I said, okay. But it wasn't until that camp moment and like the end of the year that we just had that I realized that my business isn't really founded on me matching couples and love. It's more founded on communication. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like a lot of people see the love language and they just grab love because what people automatically gravitate to. But I'm more of the language part where love can be found anywhere. I feel like in our generation, people are looking for love with just like trying to get married, but not really realizing the first type of love they should have gotten. So like the combo, the family cards, yes, they're fairly new, but it's something that I've been thinking about for a minute is how do I, as Abigail, conversate with my West Indian mother? Because me being West Indian, it's hard to conversate with your parents when you're younger. Like, they'll see you asking a question as like rebellion type of thing where I just personally want to know how did you get here? Or like what mistakes did you make? And I think that a lot of the reasons why we repeat things that our parents ended up going through was because they never explained to us why they went through it. So now we're curious um, or we didn't learn from their mistakes type of thing. So just hearing those conversations that I've been hearing parents having with their kids with the cars has been like very fulfilling in general. Um, and then even with the combos of the girls club cards, I feel like 
I don't know. You can tell me it's the same thing for bros, but I know with girls and when I'm with my girls, like they're good at telling you about yourself, just like reflection cards or like you hearing it from someone else makes you like you're not crazy. Like, yeah, that wasn't the relationship you should have been in or like, yeah, that's not that's it's something that you need to work on. Um, But I just like the fact that I can the cards help to expose people and create a deeper ex- a deeper relationship with people that you're supposed to feel love from in general. Um, and then that's basically how we got to where we got. I feel like that's a nice little fast forward, <laughs> a nice little fast forward movement. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, you, you wrote the book and then you, um, you worked on that. So the process after the book, when you decided to move on to the cards, um, talk about the process of like testing those and you know how you got people to give you um meaningful feedback um especially between like the first generation and second generation cards okay so (laughs) the first generation cards it was funny um so those were made right before i don't know if you remember when they were pushing the vaccination on people Mm -hmm. and i was working out of school those cards costed bread right i was like it's a cool like i'm making enough money like i was back to my like 18 hour shifts like i could pay for it i literally got fired that year right but i I was like this business has to work like people think like people were really feeling sad for me but i realized like when you're at your lowest point that's when like you literally have to make stuff work like you don't have a choice um i literally just moved into my apartment and what i did was i had different couples come up here so i started doing um these videos with different couples coming up here and playing the cards because that way I feel like one I was seeing their raw conversations with the cards I would step out the room and let somebody else record and two when I came back in I would ask them okay how did that work type of thing um it's like little free events like I would just like do little appetizers or whatever the case is um and they would tell me and then besides that I have like I was in an entrepreneur group so I call them like my business godparents type of thing so I would like ask questions. I was one to very much like feed into like different things. I feel like God connects you with certain people who have made mistakes already. So you don't have to, you just have to pay attention. So like when they would speak to me about different things or connect me to people, I was very observant or I would go to different um, relationship panels or like different books and just hear how like people spoke. Um it was funny because at one point I was watching Maury and people were like, you don't think this is stupid? And Maury to an extent is stupid to me, but at the same time, it's very insightful because you can see the miscommunication. Even though it may be like fake, you can see the play on words or how he uses certain things to get them to say certain things. Um, that if you were communicating in general, I feel like you might think it's stupid for them to say, but it's questions you should have asked at first. It's just different things. I feel like I'm very observant um the reason why I said the book was a full circle was because I put the book out I sent the book to the publisher December of 20 we're in 2023 2020 maybe I think it was 2020 2021 um and I didn't hear back from the publishing agency until last September and it was funny because a week back, a week before I heard back from the publishing agency, which was like a year later, I had to go to this big pop-up shop. I paid like $150 to vend. Um, I ordered the new cards and everything, and they got lost in transit. 
And I'm like, wow. I paid 50 for this vending. And I haven't touched the book since then. It was an ebook. Nobody bought it. I wasn't even pub- like marketing it, anything. And I said, yo, Abby, you have one day to figure this out. And back then, like, I was one of those people who were like, okay, like, I literally just quit smoking. So I'm like, I can't sit here and smoke myself out of this. Like, I was like, you gotta, you have to figure this out. And my friend was like, what other products do you have? And I'm like, the book. But I haven't touched the book in, like, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, okay, well, I know why I wrote this book. I know there was purpose in this book. What can I take from this book? I literally sat there for a day with my friend who's a teacher who was doing, like, grammatical checks on it. And I made it into a 30-page workbook. And it was funny because that was the first day I put the workbook out, but it wasn't meant to be put out. I sold maybe seven books and everybody was talking to me about the books and stuff like that. But it was crazy because literally the next day when I came home, the baggies were in my um, Amazon locker and I knew nothing about it. Wow. So it was crazy because even when I heard from the next person who like told me, okay, um, we're not taking your book now. I felt good because they didn't just decline it. Like how people say, oh, like we, you're not fit for this job. We found somebody else and we're not moving on. They literally gave me a detailed message about what should I fix before I turn it back in? Um, who should I talk to? So like literally right now, I didn't even want to republish the book. I was turning it into a social emotional work, uh, workbook for an after school program I want to work on for kids because um, I work with high schools. Um, but just teaching them how to communicate, me learning that like, there's evolution to what I thought communication was or what I thought healing was. Um, the cards in that play just, they kept evolving because people would come to me for advice. Like, hey, I played this, but what should I do now? Or, hey, this guy answered the question this way, what should I say now? And I was like, okay, well, at that moment, what did you innately want to say? And I realized that a lot of people stop their brain from connecting to their mouth because they're scared of how the other person will perceive it or lose like leaving or losing somebody they literally just met like they would rather shut up and like just take the person as to how that person's giving to them just because they want that fulfillment of love that they'll cut off their personal and their spiritual communication that they need to know that'll provide them comfort so with me I like that my questions give those questions that give security um and that's how I got to where I'm at that's good um, so my next question for you is, um, name the reaction, the, the difference in reactions to the different cards you have. So you said that you have the couples cards, the family cards and, and the girlfriend cards. And I'm curious to know, um, about the reception compared to each of the sets. Like the different cards. Yes. <laughs> Um, so the single cards, I get kind of like a, ooh, ah, or like a, well, this is a good question I ask on a first date. Couple cards, it's funny because the girls would bring their partner over to the table to ask them a question, like they were doing like a pre-game type of thing. And it was funny because I always wanted to make sure that my cards weren't like only on the girl's side. So when the guys take the cards and they start asking questions and the girls like freezing up, it makes me feel good because like okay this works for the men also um with the family cards I've gotten two reactions which is I never thought about that until you just asked it um the first reaction was more like oh this is definitely something I want to play with my kids the second reaction was this lady who walked up to my table and she was like my kids hate me like they would not want to play this and I'm like what you mean and we had a whole meaningful conversations and it was crazy because I spoke to her kids before she came to my table and I didn't know those are her kids. 
Um, and I asked them, I was like, your mother thinks like y'all hate her. And she was like, no, she doesn't really know how to communicate or we argue a lot. So like they went over the cards, whatever the case is. And she's like, I'm gonna buy these cards. And they're like, okay, we could do it later. And I really like that because I feel like a lot of the times, especially with our parents, I'm 25. I don't know um, if you're close to age, but like our parents' generation, um, they had to, they had the pressure of having to make it because their parents feel like they fought for them to get to where they are. Just how our parents feel like they fought for us to get to where we are. So a lot of the times they overworked, so they were able to explain why they did what they did or why they said what they said. So sometimes it came off as very aggressive or very like um, passive. So sometimes I feel like our parents may think that we see them a type of way because of the guilt that they had for how they responded to us, even though that's how they had to do it at the moment, it just worked for them. Um, Versus us really just still trying to understand why they did that. And sometimes I don't think they think that we are still waiting for that explanation. Not even like, okay, you did this. Why did you do it? Or like, make it up to me, but more just wanting to know why. So when they had that conversation in front of my table, it was very transparent for me because I know that's something that I definitely want to have a with my mother about. So I haven't played these cards with my mom yet, um, which is funny. Um, and every time I bring it up to her, she's like, yeah, we're going to play. We're going to play. And I'm like, okay, no, nah, we, we need to play. So I'm trying to like trap her on a vacation someday and just like um, do the questions. But seeing that and having them answer those questions and the mom being honest, and you could tell like she was really thinking about it. It's the time that we have to take to communicate with our children about certain things that kind of teaches me like, this is what I want to do when I have a kid. The girl cards, low key, there's not really much reaction to it. It's more like, ooh, I could take this to brunch. <laughs> um, girls talk. So just having those prompts there for them to talk is just more like a, um, not a passive time, but more of a guided conversation. Word, that's cool. And when it comes to packaging your cards, because we had an interesting conversation um, when we met about how you package the cards and the size and how you put the, um, how you put that production together. Uh, I'm curious well, not curious, but I would like you to speak to the audience a bit about how you chose to like design your cards and how you desi- decided to package them as well. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. So my cards are in Mylar bags. Um, I always think this is the funniest conversation because people are like, why Mylar bags? One, for those who don't know, Mylar bags are, they're the bags you sell weed in. Um, and two, so they ended up being very much cheaper on the um production side um very personal personalized my vendors actually in florida shout out to finalize um creations but i used to sell weed before i got saved right so i thought it was really funny that when i started the whole packaging thing it was funny because i used to put my blunts in the bag with the cards wanting to bring it on dates because nobody could smell it type of thing right Mm -hmm. um and when my pastor is an entrepreneur, like very heavily. So we had like a talk to this entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And I was like, now that I'm where I'm at, like, do I have to stop selling them in Mylar bags? And he was like, no. He said, no, you keep them in Mylar bags. Cause he said, people are going to think they come for one thing and they're going to get something totally different. And when he said that, um, it was an eye opener for me. Cause it was like, okay, certain things you feel like you were ashamed of, but certain things you went through for a reason type of thing. So when I sell them, a lot of people are like, well, you should put them in boxes. And I'm like, 
sometimes I feel bad because like, okay, people really need boxes, but I feel like the originality in my cards are more that they seem as if they give such one type of appearance, but they're so much deeper inside with the card. Um, so personally, I I love them in Marla bags. If I ever switch to boxes, it'll probably be like for convenience for like maybe my customers. But right now, I don't think I'm going. Um, I'm straying away from Marla bags. I just like the representation and personal symbolism of it to me. Hmm. That's cool. Um, I want you to speak on the uh more on some production stuff because you we've spoken a lot about how um a lot about the ideas that you've had over you know the course of these three years that you've been um running love language and you know you've got the you got the workbook you got these cards um you know you're packaging them you're you're shipping them out you're producing all of these con you're producing all of this content you're having these events um are you doing this alone do you have a team like talk about the 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 work that has to go in behind the scenes to make everything work um so my team I don't have a team <laughs> um I just started I just became a case manager for after school program called um after school all-stars so I work with a lot of seniors who do graphics and they need internships to graduate so I didn't have interns until this year when I know they needed it to graduate so they helped me with my Instagram page when it comes to packaging and stuff like that it's usually me by myself if my cousin like is in proximity then she's here um I feel like the type of person I am is I'm very my business is very personal to me I feel like it started off very personal so when I am letting somebody in to help me with such thing that is personal I have to be very one, trustworthy, and two, I need you to definitely understand the importance and vision. Um, so I work usually with myself. Um, I just did a collab with the event plug for the art walk, which was amazing. Um, communicating, especially through art, is very important to me. Um, I paint when I can. So with events, sometimes I'll collab, but usually it's more of me and myself that does the packaging and the shipping and the designing word and you brought up art walk which um i was gonna get into very soon <laughs> but um i want you to go ahead and break that event down for the people who are unaware in terms of what it was um what your role was in it and then the reception of it so the art walk love is gonna be a series of um events for love language inc so um, I also realized when I was doing my journaling and creating a workbook on the roof that I like to paint. So I used to paint on the roof. Um, my mother had like this flat one where you could just like see this guy type thing. And I realized that you can communicate a lot with yourself like therapy wise through art. Um, I always loved it, like different museums, um, like the Whitney in New York. But I realized that we don't have a lot of museums when it comes to New Jersey. So I basically had reached out to Sun God. She's a New Jersey-based artist. And we were just talking. And she, I had a group of artists that I was interested in. She had a group of artists she was interested in. And I call it the Art Walk Love, like comma love. Mm -hmm. um, let's go to the Art Walk Love. Just because I want to give people that sense of them understanding that we have that artistic value in New Jersey. Um, so I would give all the artists a word and they'd paint corresponding to the word and how it made them feel or how it trans. Made it to them. 
So it was very amazing. I had Sun God, I had Sharde, um, I had Hygen Hero, I had um, Kel, and I had Deja, I believe. And I had A Family Oath by Shallow Pope. And it was a beautiful event. Um, I had a lot of people come out. I was scared at first, but it was packed. I, I loved it. Um, just being able to have like a mini art gallery. I'm one of those people who bring their AirPods and just walk around like really silently just to take it all in. So um, it was beautiful with the poets. And then I had like different singers and a um, violist. And it just, it was a vibe that I really wish that um, people understood that we have in Newark and New Jersey. And um, and the reaction, like how how are people reacting to you putting this together? Everybody's asking me when the next one is. And it's funny because <laughs> um, I signed up for the Creative Catalyst grant in um, Newark. Shout out to Mayor Raz Baraka. I received the grant um, and it was already in there for me to have it. And everybody's like, okay, well, we should have another one. And I'm so very hard on myself that I'm like, mm, like there's so much I need to fix. And they're like, no, it was good. Um, so it's something that I want to have either monthly or um, every other month. With just different artists and different showcasings. Um, people are asking me if they can do live painting next because I had three live painters. Um, and then I had different poets and stuff. So I'm very interested in it. I like the visual um, type of art that it brings to love language and what it is. Um, just providing that space for people to be able to connect through other people's communication and forms of um, is very interesting to me. That's cool. All right. Well, Abigail, Ms. Abigail of Love Language, it has been a pleasure speaking to you on this podcast. Um, it's been a lovely conversation. I want you to go ahead and plug in the social media that people can find you and your business at online. Perfect. Um, so my name is Abigail Alibre. My Instagram is by.aluxus, like a book. So by. A-L-U-X-U-S. And my business's Instagram is lovelanguage.inc. So love language spelled the right way, period, I-N-C. All right. Well, people, make sure you go out and buy those cards. Make sure you go to the Art Walk Love. And um, keep up with Miss Abigail and Love Language Incorporated. And I'll see you guys at the next episode. Thank you so much. Peace. Okay.